celebration is rooted in joy and that joy is rooted in a kind of life. That joy is part of our strength and it's sort of the engine in all of the spiritual disciplines that we practice. My guest today reminded me of something I've experienced myself and heard a number of people comment on. It's the idea that we may spend years and years practicing a discipline before we even know it's a discipline. There's something really good about this. And good to remember, you don't have to have a name for something for it to be life-giving and life-altering. I've also found there's something really helpful about putting language on things we do. It can help us be more intentional, acknowledge and ultimately value a practice and all the goodness it may bring. Our guest today grew up in a family that celebrated well. And she spent her whole life finding ways to practice the discipline of celebration. She's a kind and playful soul. She smiles a lot. Her name is Jean Nevels. She's a spiritual director in the greater Portland, Oregon area. She also teaches spiritual directors in formation classes and does praxis work and direction in the Fuller D-Men program. She's also newly an official member of the Renovare ministry team. I had the privilege of staying at the Neville's home some years back. It just so happened I was there when their grown kids came over for dinner. I got to join them in a round of frisbee golf in the wooded wonderland of their Oregon backyard. Do you know what I saw? Fun, celebration, play, and it felt holy. I knew if I took the time to ask Jean about celebration, she would have a lot to teach me. And I was right. My name is Nathan Foster, and welcome to the Renovare Podcast. What did you think when I asked you to do this? What was your thought? What I thought when you invited me was, okay, so I'm a three on the Enneagram. And so the part of me that needs and wants applause and an, an achievement of some sort was kind of going, oh, yeah, yes. But there's, there's also the, um, this, this other part of me that, that was kind of going, why does he want to do that? Sure. Um, so anyway, honestly, that's that's what I thought when you invited me. But the other the other thing, Nathan, is um, I'm just really honored. I um, I so enjoy you, and I so enjoy being with you. And um, so you know, we've talked about um, those thin places on the planet where um, it just feels like a gift to us. Well, for me, there are um, a handful of sort of what I, I guess I would say, thin people <laughs> having nothing to do with their weight, <laughs> but, but having to do with um, sort of the um, accessibility of spirit with them. And, um, you know, you're in, you're, you're in that group of people for me. So, um, so there's, there's that part that just sort of attracts and pulls me to your heart, you know, like you said, it, it, I guess it's sort of a heart to heart kind of mm. thing. So in that regard, you know, um, I'm, I'm grateful 
Thank you. Thank you, Jean. Seriously, that's very kind of you. I think I know where I want to start. You mentioned thin places. It's a kind of Celtic phrase, but maybe could you explain what that means for those who don't know? For me, a thin place is a place on the planet, you know, it could be a geographical location, in which the veil between this manifest matter, physical world, and also very real reality um, that is um, not necessarily seen with our physical eyes, but with we feel it with, with, the, um, with the heart of faith. There was an old um, song that used to say, um, with fingers of faith, I can feel it. And, mm. and thin places are, are those places on the planet. Or it might be within a particular kind of community or circle of friends in which what feels like a veil or a membrane, it just becomes very, very thin. Like you can see through it. You can feel through it. <laughs> For me, that those, those thin places are um, places that I, uh, I, I revisit when I can. And, um, and the, there's this temptation when I find myself suddenly in a thin place to sort of want to cling and grasp at it. Mm. It, it isn't necessarily helpful that that's <laughs> but there is that you know that that wanting to hold on to so i i find the term really helpful now, i don't know if if it's a kind of reality that some places are just a little closer to eternity um or not but certainly it does seem like some places we go whether it's the aesthetics or memories or just something sacred, that it just it just seems very different and and it and it make, gives a pause, right? So I just find that term thin places really helpful. The reason I start with that is I think it ties into this idea of celebration, the discipline of celebration. Maybe. Well, okay. do you think it ties in? hadn't made the um, direct connection to that um, because the, the discipline of, of celebration is rooted in the joy of God. Okay. Um, and I, I, from, I guess, I guess when, when we're in those places where we're feeling the numinous or that luminous sort of sensation, there is a, there's a humbling to it, but there's just deep gratitude, just deep gratitude. And, Sometimes um, awe, and awe for me often feels like surprise, mm -hmm. um, but that there is that deep awe and then that pervasive sense of joy mm. that is also with it. So, so thin places hold that, um, practicing the discipline of celebration when we are invited into that by God or through the circumstances of our life. Mm -hmm. um, we touch those, we touch those places too. Yeah, that's, that's good. How do you practice celebration? What I have to keep in mind is um, how that uh, practice of celebration formed me before I knew it was a spiritual discipline. Oh yes. Okay. So growing up in the household that I grew up, there were, um, my parents had five daughters. So I'm, I'm, I was one of five and my mother, 
um, celebrated birthdays so well. She threw Tupperware parties, um, her women's group. She would decorate. Um, my parents' home still um, is a home that celebrates well. In fact, um, my parents are age 90 and 92, and they still live in their own home together, and they still decorate their home for every season. My mother now is relying on um, what she calls her stroller, a walker, mm-hmm. and she decorates that. My dad actually decorates that for her for every season. And when they show up at their little church, the children are eager to see what her walker looks like. So the home that I grew up in was a home that, that celebrated well. Um, and so, so that formed me. And there, the, that I carried into raising my children with too. You know, we would, we would decorate, we would recall, we would remember, we would pause. Um, and and be glad we would we would pause and um, celebrate a season, celebrate good grades, celebrate um, you know in sports. Of course, you know there's all kinds of celebration. So um, how I practice the discipline of celebration um, probably is um, more in keeping with sort of the um, my natural inclinations to notice to be grateful, you know, have even just a little mini party. Mm. Um, there are also the other places in which um, celebration might seem unusual, but you, when my sister died a few years ago, we had the most wonderful celebration of her life. And um, to bring in those aspects of her life um, and share them with others and um, we ended up um, inviting the community that gathered to dance. And they all did. At her funeral. So, uh, yes, it was. It, it was a really um, sweet and poignant time to be together and to remember her. So the discipline, perhaps, of celebration is, I think, always part of gratitude. And it's also, I think, um, part of hope. That, oh. there's, that there's hope within that celebration. Richard, in his, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, in that chapter, he talks about that, that, um, that celebration is rooted in joy and that joy is rooted in a kind of life, that joy is part of our strength and it's sort of the engine in all of the spiritual disciplines that we practice. Mm-hmm. Keeping with that, within each of the disciplines is that element of hope, that hopefulness, and is that element of, um, of gratitude, and and is also um, depending on how how we practice those. Um, if if spirit is really inviting them into those practice, if this is our if this is our um, our most loving response to to God's invitation, um, each one of those disciplines can become kind of a thin place for us, even when they're uncomfortable, even when they confront the things in us that are askew and still need to be uh, rightly aligned. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like this, our most loving response to God. Yes. 
the the two pieces then of gratitude and hope. How does hope tie in? Could you say more about that? Hope is also within all of the disciplines because um, because we have sort of this hope. We anticipate the good that God is, and we we um, also are um, poised then to for the in, for encounter with God. And maybe that maybe that's what I mean by by the hope is the hope is that we will encounter God, and in that encounter we know ourselves as loved and beloved. There's a lot with that because what that also answers, it answers our need for forgiveness. It answers our loneliness. It answers our anxiety and our fear. So the hope is in encounter in being met by the one that loves us. I, Jean, this is, I really like this picture because for so many people, the disciplines come with a sort of rolling of the eye or like, oh, great, this... Um, you know, painful, or I'm going to fail, or whatever. But yeah. this sense that um, I'm anticipating that God is in this, and that God is good, right? And and good is going to come in here. Okay, so when I think about the encounter with God, and when I think about the disciplines, and I said this at one time, talking about how I encountered the, the celebration of discipline, and what I said is it gave me a vocabulary of love. This is kind of what I mean about that. When you think about your lover, the one that you love, when we think about sort of our our virginal approach to the one we love, we don't know the movements. We don't know how to respond. We don't even know what we like or what we want. And God is such a good lover that God can help us to know what those movements are. In the disciplines, we have the movements we have the responses, we have the initiatives for great loving, just for great loving. I love that. The vocabulary of love. That these are just, they're activities, things we do with our physical bodies or our mind that place us before God and give space for God to love on us, to heal us, to take us on adventures, to move in ways we don't know we even want or need. Right. And there is this vulnerability before God with these. And even as we practice them and we feel so awkward and we're so bad at them, you know, <laughs> these, things, these are not things that, that we ever really feel good at. And yet... And yet the, the um, effects that they have on us and that the intimacy that we enjoy with God in them, because God is so responsive um, and so generous in God's response of love to us. Grace just pours over us. You know, grace upon grace is ours in them. Mm. Help me with that in the context of sometimes when I'm moving in these, I maybe doesn't feel like God's being responsive or it feels dry or there, you know, maybe there's the lack of emotion or, um, I mean, I know something's going on, but what do we do with that? When we hit those desert places, when we hit sort of the dryness, when we hit the sort of um, feeling 
like it's mechanical and we're just going through the motions. Like any lifelong relationship, we hit those places. Um, we can rely on what we have known and we can recall those and we can celebrate those things that we have known. And in a lifelong relationship, we also know that there is ebb and flow and we can look forward with hope and confidence, you know, that it will return again. And even if it never does, what I have known and what I've had will sustain me. Keep showing up. Yeah. Right? Just keep showing up. We just keep showing up for God in the same way that we just keep showing up for our partners, for the way in which we keep showing up for our friends. Just the ministry of showing up, just the ministry of presence. It has its good effect. Trying to trying to pull uh, pull it back around to the celebration, and it, and in that in that um, we can be glad. In that I am grateful. In that I am hopeful. Something just clicked for me because we don't necessarily ask that question in in our relationships. Of I'm going out on a date with my spouse, and it and it isn't fireworks and fun in the way that it was last time. Like whatever, it's it's not the point, right? We're being together, and and it'll be fireworks again, or maybe not. Points to be together, not make me feel gushy and warm. The other thing that that um, is also happening too with with the spiritual practices with the with the discipline of celebration um, that I have that I've um, considered is uh, you know why we do them and why we um, engage in them in it is in this relationship with God it is in this um, in this desire for intimacy and it's in response to God but it isn't also um, just for our own, you know, sort of self-enlightenment, you know. And in the West, we can be very, very focused as individuals. But but it is also um, uh, for the sake of um, the world God so loves. And and our, um, our disciplines of celebration um, can be seen in the world, you know, as, as we celebrate as a people, um, you know, as Christ followers, you know, as communities of faith, um, that that celebration does spill out um, into the world and hopefully does bless them. There was a, a piece in a little book called Living Gently in a Violent World by Jean Vignet, uh, the Larch founder. Oh, um, yeah. he, he, wrote a little, he wrote a little essay. And it's out of it's out of the little essay about the vision of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But um, towards the end of that essay, he talks about how um, he finds it hard to be in, um, out, kind of out in the world. He kind of lives in two worlds. He's saying because where he lives in his in his home with people with disability, he can sort of joke around. And when he gets out in the world, he's not really sure how to navigate some of those things. And and what he talked about was, was the the importance of um, how um, he celebrates life with them and how we celebrate life together. And and one of the comments that he made is people know how to drink whiskey and go to the cinema, but they don't really know how to celebrate. <laughs> and then he had this line that says. 
to celebrate is to say, I am happy to be with you. Mm. And we, when we celebrate, we can tell God, I'm happy to be with you, God, or, to, or with our spouse or with our children or with our community and say, I'm happy to be with you. And, and then towards the end uh, of that, um, sort of in the last paragraph of that essay, he, he says, now this doesn't, this, this might sound crazy because it doesn't sound like, you know, a world transforming thing to do. But what if our celebration, what if our being happy together or being happy to be here or being happy with God, what if that's what the world really needs is that they need to see that we can be happy together, that we can be happy with God? What if the world just needs a sign and that we can be a sign that we can celebrate and be happy together? What if the world needs a sign that we can love each other? I did not do that that uh, essay justice, but um, hopefully the um, Stanley Harawas and Jean Venier wrote this little this little book. But but think about think about how this might be a, a world movement if if the if the discipline of celebration can transform our world because we can be assigned to the world um, that we are happy with God, we are happy to be here, we are happy with you, and. And we can and we can really love each other. And in this, you're not talking forced plastic put on a kind of Jesus oh. smile. You're talking guttural joy. Yeah. And and children show us this so well. Um, we have a, our first grandson is now 18 months old. That little guy, his name is Isaac, and he is living up to his name for us because he just brings laughter into our lives. But, but little children and, and people um, that we consider disabled are some of the happiest creatures on the planet, and they celebrate. If any, any new trick or anything that he does, and maybe Isaac has done, he's gotten on this rocking horse and off this rocking horse all on his own a dozen times, and every time he gets on it, he 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 celebrates. <laughs> he applauds himself. He celebrates. We all do. We all clap for him. Um, but but we're happy to be. We're happy to be together. We're happy to be here, God. I'm happy to be with you. You have in your house picture of Jesus laughing. Yes, I do. Tell, tell us about that. I'm not really sure exactly what you want to know, but I'll <laughs> tell you the story about the picture. Oh, good. Yes. Okay. Um, when, uh, when my husband Dave and I were dating, he was 17 and I was 18. And... Um, if he wanted to spend any time with me on a Sunday, he would have to attend church with me. And um, when he attended church with me, he could hold my hand. Hey. But Dave, um, in those days, was uh, he had not been raised um, uh, as a regular church attender. And so there were a number of things about the um, whole Christian church thing that um, he wasn't entirely comfortable with. Um, even in this little Presbyterian church, and Presbyterians are wonderful because they end every hymn with an amen. 
Mm. Dave could not sing Amen, but he could sing Oh Yeah. <laughs> so when we married, I had talked to Dave about how important this was going to be for my life, and he would need to be amenable to keeping faith with me um, in marriage going forward. When we married, well, he gave me this sort of decoupage open book that had the Lord's Prayer on it. He said, I'm comfortable having this in our home, but I don't think we can hang any pictures of Jesus in our house. Um, I think that most of Dave's early experience was not necessarily that, um, that God was a particularly joyful, although very powerful person, and that the, the whole Jesus thing with you know his passion and his suffering and his death did not seem to be something that he wanted to have hanging around much. So we married, we had the Lord's Prayer. 17 years later, four children later, college and dental school behind us, for Christmas, I opened up this gift from my husband, and it was this picture of Jesus laughing. And that was a picture of Jesus that um, we could hang in our home. And um, and so we do. We have the picture of Jesus laughing. I love that picture. I love the idea of a joyful Christ and a joyful God. Um, I love that verse where it says that that um, God is, um, is singing over you, you know, laughing over you with a cheerful sound. And so, yes, we do have the joyful Jesus. And it is in the entryway of our home, and it greets my directees as they come in the door. <laughs> I love it. You, I just had a thought when you were talking. Joy is powerful. Joy is powerful. In terms of practicing this, living it out, is it as simple as moving towards gratitude, hope, how do I, I, I always get stuck with the nuts and bolts, you know? This afternoon, I'm going to practice a discipline of celebration. What do I do, Jean? You certainly can do a practice of gratitude at that point. I have a directee that I just really enjoy. And one of the things that I notice, this directee would not use, use the language necessarily of a discipline of celebration. He'll describe an experience and he'll say, I like that. I like that. And, and I think that is, a, that is a practice of celebration. That is the discipline of celebration. Certainly, there are, um, th- there's just that broad spectrum. And we can do wonderful formal celebrations in community, Christmas and Easter and Pentecost, you know, and sort of the high holidays of the church and, um, and those feast days. Certainly, we can celebrate those. But in our daily life, how do I do this celebration practice today? Nathan, what did you like? What have you enjoyed today? What is just um, sort of a brief examine? And going ahead and let it be simple. Our lives really are made up of just simple moments after moment. And just being aware and noticing that and saying, you know, I like that. I, I like that. <laughs> I like that. And I, I want to tie that back into the beginning because thin places, I find, I find it that 
I organically say, I like that. It just, I can't not say it, right? And I want to say it to the person next to me, you know, look at that wave crashing. I like that. Yeah. And, and then just gently tuning my attention to God's in that, right? It's created, sustaining. That's celebration. That is celebration. Well, there you have it. You can find out more information about Jean and her work as a spiritual director at jeannevels.com. That's J-E-A-N-N-E-V-I-L-L-S.com. And do check out their garden, Pastinia. It's a special place nestled in 30 acres of woods outside of Hillsboro, Oregon, a place where folks go for a retreat. As always, thanks for listening and have a great week.